Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money. Whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello again and welcome to Money Tips. It's Charles Kelly. Uh, today I want to talk to you about debt. And hello and hi to everyone on Facebook Live. Uh, thanks for, for tuning in. Everyone who, who does tune into my regular uh, Facebook Live broadcast. Great to see you. And hope you're having a good day. And thanks for everyone who listens on my podcast, which can be found on iTunes and Stitcher and on my website, moneytipsdaily.com. Now, many of you might think, well, you know, you see me talking here about money. What, what, what does he know about money, you might say? Well, let me, let me tell a bit more about my story. Um, when I was growing up, uh, we didn't have any money. We lived week to week uh, based on, you know, my dad's cash wages. In those days, people got paid weekly in cash. Do you remember that cash? <laughs> Is anyone old enough to remember receiving a, a cash uh, pay packet, a little brown envelope, not the size of a normal envelope, but maybe you know, that size of an envelope, not much bigger than your phone. And in there you'd get cash. And, you know, robbers used to have wages, snatches and that sort of thing. If you see the old movies, they had a wages snatch. Well, now, you know, hardly anybody gets paid in cash. But in those days it was cash. And, you know, if if the father of the house was irresponsible, he might go out and spend that cash in the pub. He might go and gamble it. I mean, my dad was a bit of a gambler and many times he did gamble money away before my mum could get her hands on it and and use it for things like paying rent and food and so we lived week to week and you know it was precarious uh, situation we didn't have credit cards or overdrafts so we didn't have that thing where we could smooth out the peaks and the troughs and you know anything we did buy we had to buy using very expensive credit now mum handled the money um dad you know wasn't so good with money he, he liked donating his money to sick animals called racehorses that never won a race in fact some of them are still running that's the old joke <laughs> what's it what's the old joke he, he put on uh, put money on a horse at 10 to 1 at half past two it was still running that's the old joke okay enough of those now if mum wanted to buy something for for, for kids christmas toys and that sort of thing were four of us she had to put aside a little bit of money maybe in a jar or something to to, to save for that because you know, you couldn't just go out and pull out your credit card, and 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 it was it was tough. You know, she didn't buy any self uh, herself any luxuries really, and a lot of the food we had, the the the, the clothing we had was bought secondhand in jumble sales and that sort. Of, I'm not saying this to sort of get the violin out. I mean, we you know, I I had a fairly happy childhood with with a lot of kids around. We could go out and play in the streets, unlike now, uh, we could go and kick football around. But you know, we, we definitely didn't have money. And it, it was difficult when you you had to really pay everything at top rate, even though you were the people who had the least money, but you paid the most for, for virtually everything. And that doesn't seem fair to me. Um, and, you know, things like, um, I, I don't know, we, we're always behind everything. We're always behind with the rent. We're behind with things. And we'd have the rent arrears officer coming around and, uh, you know, asking when you're going to pay your rent and that sort of thing. And anything we bought, like you'd have these guys called tallymen that would knock on the door and sell you stuff, kind of from a catalogue, really. And but they would deliver it 
and they'd have stuff in their cars and, you know, they had cars, you know, and they would knock on the door and say, do you need shoes? Do you need clothes? Do you need this? You know, and um, they they would sell you stuff, but then come and collect the money every week. So it was providing a kind of service, I guess, because people didn't have the cash to buy things. But on the other hand, you were paying more for that for those goods than you would going to buy it in a shop and then you were paying very high interest rates and nobody really calculated the interest rate on these things but they could have been 40 50 60 100 200 percent i don't even know and these companies became rich by selling overpriced goods to the poorest in society one of them was you know like the catalog companies the moore's family who owned liverpool at the time there were families that you know really got very very wealthy selling stuff to the poor but not at cheap rates but at higher rates and charging high interest rates and this still goes on today um mum shopped for food every day so she had to go to shops she couldn't go to a, a shop and buy a month's supply and put it in the fridge in the freezer because we didn't have a freezer or a freezer so we kind of paid everything you know at top rate we didn't have proper banking facilities she had a post office account a savings account but we didn't have access to a checkbook and credit and, and that sort of thing um you know, there were always arguments in the house about money because, uh, you know, dad would say, well, I haven't got any money. Where have I got money? And she'd say, well, you've always got money for the bloody bookies, you know, but and there was arguments going round and that sort of thing. Um, you know, dad, all, all dad wanted was a car. We didn't have a car. We had to travel over on buses and trains and we were the poor relations that would turn up at weddings by bus and we'd be late. And then when the, they moved from the church to the hall a mile away, everyone would get in their cars and we'd be standing there saying, who's going to give us a lift? You know, it was, it was embarrassing. So it caused a lot of stress. And, you know, all mum wanted really was a little house for herself. She didn't want to keep paying rent all her life. Now, dad never got his car, unfortunately, but we, you know, she did manage to buy a house from the council because Maggie Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, the former prime minister in the 70s, gave people the right to buy their council homes. And that was the biggest social step upwards uh, I think in, one of the biggest in history, in fact, you know, that it enabled people to go from renting to, to owning a property. It was one of the biggest uh, social upward mobility policies of all time, I think. And it, it helped millions of people. OK, there's been problems since that they didn't build enough council houses to replace them, but it got people on the housing ladder and they were still housed. You know, they're in a house. The house is not empty. Right. So anyone who criticizes that policy should, should think again. Now, most people say that money doesn't buy happiness, but how can you say that? A little bit of money would have helped us immensely. And, you know, a lot of people are not living week to week. They're living day to day. They're living like literally they go out in the morning. You know, I've been to the Philippines where, you know, a driver drives a Jeep all day just to buy food for that day. Or someone goes out selling stuff during the day on the side of the street, selling chewing gum just to, to make enough money to live that day to feed the family that day and if they don't work that day they don't eat so people were worse off than us and still are um you know nowadays people don't live week to week in the uk and in in, in first world countries but they maybe live month to month they get paid monthly but it's still a precarious existence you know they're, they're still maybe only uh, a couple of months away from potential bankruptcy you know, if you think of bankruptcy as being not having enough money to clear your debts or having more debts than assets, then many people are already technically bankrupt, but they just don't go down and declare themselves at the bankruptcy court. But they're maybe swimming in, in what I would call a sea of debt. Um, so, yeah, money can make you uh, happy. And that's why I wrote this book. Yes, money can buy you happiness because 
people because money can't buy happiness. But most of those people have got loads of money. You know, if you talk to Lord so-and-so, oh, money doesn't make you happy. Or, I've got all this land and that, but it doesn't make me happy. Oh, yeah. So, well, try giving it up and living in a council flat, then see if that makes you happy. Or try living in a country where you live day to day and then tell me that money doesn't buy you happiness because it's hobblers, it's rubbish. Money can and does buy you happiness. Not the pound notes itself. Not, oh, this is money is making me happy. Look at this. You know, not that. But what money can buy? It can buy you security. It can buy you freedom. It could have bought dad a little car to run around in so that we could go out on family days and, and drive to the beach instead of trying to get four trains. You know, it can buy a little bit of security to have your own place. It can buy just that little bit of, of, of happiness to know that you're not struggling and you can pay your bills on time. You know, they, they, they were always struggling and it, it created a lot of stress in the house. The stress came down like a process of osmosis to the children. Even little kids can feel the stress of their parents. You know, they you can see it in supermarkets when uh, parents are shouting at kids, no, you can't have those sweets, no. Uh, and there's there's tension there, there's there's aggravation, there's stress. You know, um, it, when my son lost his football boots at school, there was so much stress over that. You know, but other parents would just say, don't worry, have another pair of boots. But we were shouting at him, you know, well, how could you be so stupid to lose those boots? And he was already upset losing them. And, you know, then we had to buy him a really cheap, nasty pair of boots, almost to say, well, there you go. You lose your boots. That's what you get. You know, did we need all this stress? No, there were there were a pair of boots that, you know, cost a lot of money. But to us, they're a lot of money, but they weren't really a lot of money. So a little bit of money can make you happy. Don't believe this money can't buy you happiness because, yes, money can buy you happiness. And if you know how to manage your money, you can be happier. That's a fact. If you if you follow the steps in here and know how to manage your money, you will be happier because you'll have less stress over money. If you know if if you know what your money thermostat is, like in a room where you have a thermostat set at 21 degrees, you know what happens when you open the door and cold air comes in, right? What happens? The temperature goes down, so the heating kicks in and 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 makes the the, the room warmer again to 21 degrees. But then if the warm, the room gets too warm, like you have more heat in the room, more people, then it gets above 21, then say, oh, we're going to switch the heating off. It's a bit like that with money. Sometimes people have this thermostat that they think they can only have so much money. So if they if they come into a lot of money, maybe through a lottery win or through a gift or or through some luck at work or they get a pay rise, they suddenly have to spend it because they've reached their thermostat. They can't handle it. You see this in sales when a salesman who's, maybe making X amount per year, he's making 30,000 a year and that's all he can sell, that's all the commission he can make because he's reached his limit, then suddenly he might have a good month or two and he's, he's suddenly on track to make 50,000. But what happens? Then things start to slow down uh, or, or maybe he loses a few sales or things start to go wrong. It's, it's uncanny. I've seen it so many times. Um, and, and what about today then? So people may maybe live in month to month now but they're still in the same kind of problems that my parents had, although now they've got, you know, a few more tools at hand. But look at this. You know, they still pay the most for credit. They're still getting ripped off by payday lenders um, and and loan sharks. And, you know, the banks won't give them proper bank accounts because they don't want those kind of customers. They give them basic bank accounts with a card, no overdraft, no credit cards. It, it's very difficult. They pay the highest for utilities because sometimes they can't get a monthly account by direct debit. So they have these key cards that they go down to a news agency and have to top it up. Well, that electricity costs a lot more than if you had a normal account and you can pay by direct debit. So it's, again, it's the wealthier getting the, the, the cheaper 
credit. They're getting the cheaper gas and electricity and the poor are always getting screwed. And I see it still today. And, you know, all right, we don't have tally men, but we have now have shops in poor areas of the country that rent furniture to people. They rent cheap rubbish stuff to people for two pounds a week, three pounds a week and charge them rates of hundreds of percents per year. If you actually work it out, they rent toys for their kids. And and it's, it's tragic, really, because people are just sort of stuck in that mentality. Their thermostat says, yeah, that's what my mum did. That's what I do. I'll go and rent a fridge. I'll rent a TV. So they go home with this big TV. They think, great, I can have this TV for £3 a week. But it's costing them a lot more than they, they even know. So it's it's still the same wealthy companies feeding off the poor in a way. Now, I don't mind business. I like to do business. But sometimes, you know, you think, is, is there a morality in this? You know, you've got to look at it. Um, and, you know, in fact, if, if you if you and I'm going to tell you about a guy that's trying to stop out payday lending in a minute. But, you know, if you need to borrow money, why not try a different way of doing it? Go to cooperative banks, go to banks, nonprofit organizations, go to what I call credit unions. Now, I'll give you this. The word of the day, credit union. What is a credit union? Basically, it's a credit union looks like a bank. But they hold deposits, they make loans, um, they have cards and checks and that sort of thing and investment services but banks are for profit companies they make money by charging the highest interest interest rate they can and paying the lowest interest rate on on deposits but the a, a credit union will is a non-profit organization which will, 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 is there for the for the members it's there for the union members to give them the best services and and you can borrow money at cheaper rates there are, there are organizations like that and if you don't know where to find them google them if you can't google them Go to uh, your citizens advice and try and find a credit union. Now, they might not be available in every country, but there are, you know, there are countries that do have even uh, third world countries have these kind of, of unions or uh, lenders that lend small amounts to, uh, to, 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 to the poorest of the poor to maybe start a business or maybe fund something. Uh, because there, there are so many people out there out to just really just take as much money from you as they can. But there are also organizations that are there to, to help you. And, and a credit union is one of them. The worst thing you can do is go to uh, a payday lender. When I say a payday lender, it's like somebody that you've you got a check to, to cash and you need the money now, not in three, five days time. And I don't know why the bank still takes five days and four days to clear a check. That is ridiculous. But anyway, that, that then feeds off these payday lenders who would say, right, I'll cash your paycheck now. I'll give you the cash now, but I'm going to take five, six percent, ten percent sometimes. So, um, you know, there is somebody out there that is trying to to do something about those. And it's actually an entrepreneur himself. And uh, let, me, let me just find his name here. Uh, it's it's somebody called uh, Entrepreneur. Uh, his name is Peter Briffitt who has persuaded employees, including the restaurant change Carluccio's and Hackney Borough Council in East London, to allow staff to receive money they have already earned prior to payday. And it's called WageStream. The service for which is he co-founded has enrolled 170,000 employers from firms including David Lloyd, Jim's, Bella Italia, Rent-A-Kill. And they charge a flat fee of £1.75 £1. to withdraw up to 40% of their monthly wage. And it's an app. And I think it's a great idea. Um, and, and he said here, we set up in January 2018 to destroy payday loan companies. The worst thing anyone can do is get a payday loan. We know that there, we're stopping about 3000 payday loans a day. 
And this is not a loan. It's not credit. You've earned the right to that money. It's just getting the money quicker. So they're facilitating people to get their money quicker. And uh, good luck to uh, Peter Briffitt there. And I hope he, he does well with that because definitely something needs to be done about these. And they're in the high street. It's legalized uh, loan sharking in a way. It's it's still the old system. You know, maybe they've got a name and they've got their, their, they've got a credit um, consumer credit license and that. But it's still ripping people off. And that brings me to the last point that, you know, debt itself uh, is good debt if you borrow to buy assets. But it's not good debt if you borrow to buy liabilities, if you borrow to buy things that take money out of your pocket, like, uh, you know, a, a TV which is going to go down in value as soon as you walk out the door. So debt, not all debt is good. There is good debt you can use. You can use other people's money to buy properties. You can use other people's money to finance deals that make you money like a business. But using debt to, you know, to, to, to buy things that take money out of your pocket is bad news. And in fact, uh, people think their house is, a, is an asset, that the home they live in is an asset. But yeah, it is an asset in a way, but it's also a liability. It's taking money out of your pocket. So be careful how much you borrow on, on your mortgage. Now, when I was a financial advisor, um, people say, what do you know about money? Well, I was a financial advisor for 25 years. I worked for banks, insurance companies, brokers um, and, and, and so on. And so I, I do know a bit about it. And I was an IFA. I was an independent financial advisor in, with my own business. So this is how I learned about money. I, I didn't learn about money in school because they don't teach you anything about money. I learned about it when I joined the financial services industry. And that was where my education started. So I know for a fact that most people don't insure themselves enough. They don't insure themselves against sickness. And in fact, there's a story in The Times today about people in middle class families that are overstretching themselves with mortgages because interest rates are cheap. They're, they're really overstretching themselves. And a, a charity called Step Change, which is a, lead, a leading debt charity, has actually helped nearly 10,000 people with incomes above £40,000 last year. Uh, so that's that's not people who are earning tiny amounts of money. That's a pretty good income. Um, and their average cre credit card debt was 21,000. And while their average total outstanding debt, excluding mortgages, came to 38,000 pounds. That's what they owed, like car loans, debts. You know, it's very easy to go and get a car, isn't it? Easy to go down the road and get a new car. Yes, we'll give you the money. I'll give you the car, just 200 pounds a month. But these debts can all add up. And the charity said that most... A uh, common reason for middle class debt was a sudden loss of income. And they, they actually give an example here of uh, a couple where the wife then suddenly got cancer and he was then working on his own to try and keep things going, but getting into more debt. Then he got sick. Then suddenly, you know, the government wouldn't help him with his mortgage. So he ended up losing his house. He lost his £30,000 of savings trying to keep the mortgage going, lost his house. And then who's who's housing him now? The government is... It's, you know, the local authority wouldn't help him with the mortgage payments. He didn't qualify, but it, then he's en he ends up in emergency housing and council housing. So they've lost everything. And, and people just don't think about uh, sickness and what's going to happen. Now, that brings me on to one point, PPI, payment protection insurance. There was this big scandal about payment protection insurance, which is has now kind of come to an end. But the actual insurance itself wasn't bad. It was that it was missold. It was perhaps sold to the wrong people, not explained properly. So a lot of people got refunds because they jumped on the, the mis-selling bandwagon. But actually, the policies themselves were there to protect people against sickness, against uh, illness and, and injury and that sort of thing, and unemployment. Um, and, you know, there, that was the safety net that they had. 
So it's probably set back payment protection insurance years now because I think I think I'm not even sure anybody sells it anymore because of this scandal that went on. But really, the insurance wasn't the problem. It was the, it was probably more the way it was sold. So my my tip to you today is is to to watch that consumer debt. Don't get into consumer debt. Um, don't don't buy things that take money out of your pocket. Look after your money. Manage your money. Learn some of the trips here. The 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 tips here about money management. The three hours of money management. Uh, and 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 learn these things and follow them and keep a track on your your money so that you don't get into debt. Having a mortgage is fine, but a lot of people then will go on to have a car and and furniture loans and this loan and that loan and and all sorts of credit, even credit to go on holiday and then credit cards. Um, and and it's so easy with a credit card. You don't even have to put it in the machine now. You just tap it. It's gone. You have a little tap there. You're much more likely to spend money on a card than you are if you have to get the money out of your pocket and out of your wallet and you're looking at your cash, you think, oh, I haven't got much cash left. But if it's a card, oh yeah, a card. I don't even have to put it in the machine. Tap it. Yes, I've spent that £30. And it just goes on and on like that. So just be careful because, you know, we don't know if interest rates will go up in the future. We don't know how the mortgage market's going to go. We don't know how employment's going to go after Brexit. There could be a downturn. Uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So that's my tip for the day. Watch that consumer debt and don't get into debt. And if you do get into debt, take advice, go to your citizens advice, see how you can uh, manage those debts. There are companies that can help you manage those debts. And if you need to borrow money, go and, and you can't get cheap overdrafts and credit, then use what are credit unions and similar organizations to that. So thanks for listening. This has been Charles Kelly, bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and enjoy more money. Have a good day and bye for now. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 